Peter 2.18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called. Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word tonight and read it, God, I pray your spirit would teach us and show us, guide us, Lord, into the truth of it. And Lord, that we would not just simply come uh, and endure uh, these few moments, but God, that we would take in uh, the truth that you would have for us. And God, that it would find a place of practicality uh, in how we live our lives day by day. And Father, I pray for Brother Nathan and the kids as they meet together tonight. Lord, that you would use that moment in them and with them. Lord, to teach them and Lord, to draw them to yourself. Even some, I pray, for salvation tonight. And we do pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, here is obvious, I believe, uh, about the context and the meaning of these verses that we have before us. But tonight, I've entitled the message, When You Have a Lousy Boss. All right, that's pretty catchy, don't you think, when you have a lousy boss. Two things tonight. Number one, treat him with respect. All right, that's what the Bible says, to t- treat him with respect. And number two, when you have a lousy boss, it's another opportunity to glorify God. It's another opportunity to glorify God. And you know as well as I do that those two things right there, uh, that, that that's not easy. Uh, those are tough things to do. Uh, it's easy to, easy to read about, preach about, but it's different when you start trying to put that uh, into practice. But in these uh, particular verses of Scripture that uh, previously, last week, uh, that we were told that we are to have a uh, submission, that we're to submit to authority in government, in government. And then tonight, uh, we're told that we're to submit, to have, be submissive in the workplace. And then next time we gather on Wednesday night, it will be that we are to be submissive at home. And so those, the, the, the theme is running uh, through these verses of Scripture uh, uh, together, but they're very, very practical, and there's no uh, three places uh, that, that could be emphasized that is more important than those three places right there. And as you cover those things, uh, really you've covered uh, the bulk of life. And so it's vitally important that we uh, possess, that we develop, and that we practice these character traits or uh, uh, disciplines or core values uh, in our life because it has far-reaching effect uh, day in and day out. Now, um, you know, we too often see the result of us focusing our life efforts on our own rights and our, you know, and grievances that we have against other people. Now, uh, should people be treated fairly? Absolutely. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it that people should be treated fairly and that you and I, 
that we need to take every opportunity and make every effort to do so, and we should fight for those who have no voice, that we should make a stand for those who cannot uh, fight for themselves. But at the end of the day, uh, that we as Christian people, that one of the great uh, factors in our life should be that we are submissive people. Now, we are to uh, stand up for other people and, and, and really stand for the things that are good and right. Uh, but when it comes uh, to our own selves, that our life is to be marked by humble submission. And, you know, we may say, well, I'm going to stand up for myself. Well, you do that, and, but, but what I'm talking about, the Bible, you're not going to find that in the Bible anywhere, all right, is what I'm saying. But what you are going to find, repeated over and over again, is that we are to submit ourselves. Not stand up for yourself, but to submit ourselves. And that's very contrary to the good old American way. It's very, very much in the face of that. So uh, I'm not promoting that we are some sort of limp-wristed sissies. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is that in our spirit, uh, that we're to be people of humility and people of submission. And so when we submit, uh, we show that we are living for something that is bigger than this world. All right? If this is all we had, we would fight for it. That's what Jesus said. If this came, my kingdom was of this world, we'd be fighting a battle right now. But Jesus said that this isn't what I'm all about. Uh, that my kingdom is bigger than this kingdom is. And it shows that we're trusting in someone greater. It shows that our dependence is not on ourself. Our dependence is not on our, our boss or our master. But our dependence is on God. And so when we have a submissive spirit, it shows that we have died to self. When we have a submissive spirit... It shows that we have died to self. And when we have died to self, then, uh, then that puts us in the position that God can use us in many, many ways. So in verse number 18, when we have a lousy boss, we're to treat him with respect. With respect. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Now, uh, the social economic setting uh, that these verses were written in were not exactly uh, like what we experience today. And I thank God for that, uh, that we are not in that sort of situation. But in that culture, in that civilization, that most work was done by slaves. Uh, slavery, not exactly like we experienced in our nation's history, but nonetheless, it was slavery uh, as that time really knew it. Uh, there were many in, 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 enveloped uh, in the slave world. There were many different professions. Uh, there were many different trades. There were many different jobs. There were skilled positions where uh, normally those people would probably be treated with a little bit more dignity and respect. And then those with less skill, uh, they were looked at as more expendable, that they would be treated with less respect and less 
uh, dignity, but whether you were a slave on the top of the totem pole or a slave on the bottom of the totem pole, you were still a slave. And in all essence, uh, you had very, very few rights, you had very little uh, protection from the government, and there was really nothing that would keep you from being mistreated by your master. Uh, MacArthur quotes a Roman nobleman named Varro. He said, the only thing distinguishing a slave from a beast or a cart was that the slave could talk. And that was really how they viewed a slave, that it was nothing more than a means by which to get some work done, and, and that was pretty much it. So many, many of the people uh, in this time that they were slaves, and so many, many, a majority even, I would say, of those who were found themselves within uh, the church body, those people who were church people in that time, the majority of them, that they were slaves as well. And so uh, here we have uh, from uh, Peter uh, that he is addressing slaves, but oftentimes that the Apostle Paul, that he makes mention of the fact uh, that, they, that, they, that he's writing to slaves and has uh, application for them. Uh, you know, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, he said that the gospel is preached to, to the poor, to the poor, and that probably had, had that uh, reference to it, that these were slaves. These were not people uh, who were in uh, high positions, but those who were uh, enslaved. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that not many noble and not many mighty are called. And so again, that Paul is referencing the fact uh, that these people were nobodies in the civilization and the culture in which they live. And I believe Paul wrote to them uh, oftentimes because it was hard for them as, as believers in Christ that, that knowing Christ and, and being saved, that they had been set free uh, from the bondages and the sin in their life. And it was such a contradictions almost with, with their place and their lot in life of not being free but being bound. And they struggled with that. And, and I don't think that you and I can really understand that because we've not been uh, in those shoes. They, slaves struggled because as they came into the family of God, as they came and they worshiped together, that they were on equal, equal footing with everybody, that they were brothers and sisters. But when they went out back to their homes and back to they, where they worked at, that they may be, they may be under a, a, a master and they're no longer on equal footing anymore. And even with people who were Christians, that they were out in society, that they were not on equal footing with them. So this is a tough scenario. This is a tough place to be, tough lot in life that, that is very foreign to us in many degrees. But I believe for us today that, that we can't just say, oh, that was for those Romans 
almost 2,000 years ago, that was for those slaves and that was for those who were owned. I think that we easily make the transition to our day where we understand that, that we are uh, probably uh, either over somebody in a, in a job situation or, or somebody is over us in a job situation. And so there's no one that I know of that started on the top. <laughs> you know, at some point or another, uh, you have worked for somebody, all right? And so that's where we find ourselves tonight, that this really uh, isn't so much to the masters as it is uh, to the slave or to the employee as we look at it tonight. And so it says, servants... Be subject to your masters with all fear. Uh, the word servants here within that, that root of that word is, is the word household. So this is talking about household servants here. Those who, who maybe cooked and cleaned and, and helped rear the children. Uh, the, those sort of people. Uh, the common, the, the common uh, slaves uh, in that day and in that time. He says that they are to be subject Subject. Now, this is the same, uh, really the same word, the same root as we looked in at last week. The word submit, same root, submit and subject that we see this week. The same, same root, and it means to line up under. Line up under. It's a military term. It's a rank and file type thing is what, is what the, the mindset is. And that we are to fall in place. Uh, according uh, to uh, our, our master's desire and our employers, I believe is what we should uh, understand this to say, is that servants be subject to your masters, to your owners, to your managers, those that oversaw them every day. Uh, now, uh, there, there were those who would serve a, a particular master or owner, would serve them for their life, there are times where uh, they would serve them for a period of time, maybe three, four, five, six years in order to pay off a debt. Uh, that, that looked in many, looked many different ways. It was, it was as varied uh, as the slave was, okay? But we see the picture, we see the setting that the servants, that those who are working uh, for the master, working for the owner, that they are to be subject to them. So if, if that is true, if that is true in a system, in a slave master system, which was true back in the Roman Empire, and, and you know that was such a great disparity between the two, I believe that it, it even magnifies the importance that you and I, that we operate under the same understanding as they do. All right, and I think it even makes it more important, maybe even today in our situation. But he says that we're to be subject to them, and not just subject to them, with all fear. With all fear. So we're subject, but it tells us how we're to be subject with all fear. Now that, it really qualifies it, and it teaches us what it means to be subject to them. It's an attitude it's a, it's a, it's a mental 
uh, posture toward this individual. And it is, it's not just an absence of bitterness. It's not just an absence of revolt, but it's a presence of peace and grace and a desire to please. All right? And so I think that is foundational to understanding this. That it's not just an absence of something. But what he tells us here that we are to be one who serves and serves in a way to please, that we work in a way, that we are to go above and beyond, and that's how we as Christian people are to do in the workplace. And you and I both know that that is not how it often is, that sometimes that Christian people, they have the worst reputation at work that there is, and that is a disgrace to God It's contrary to the word of God that you and I as Christian people, that we should be the best workers, we should have the best attitude that there is in the plant or in the office or whatever it looks like. That that is to categorize our lives as believers, even with a less and especially with a less than ideal situation that God still desired and God especially desired that we as his people that we would make the best out of that situation you know that that work you know we we often look at, at work as a bad thing oh it's terrible that we've got to work but even before the fall God made us to be workers, all right? That we are made to work. That was in God's initial plan for man that we would be workers. So God, that he takes this fallen situation that we are in and God desires for we as believers to make it the best situation that it can be so that we can be blessed and the people that we work for can be blessed as well that you should not be a pain in the neck to your boss no I don't care he may be the worst boss ever it does not matter that you are to be the best employee ever to that lousy boss and that's not Ronnie Stinson that's the gospel that's the word and that goes against our grain And that's why it's so important that you and I, that we submit to the authority of God's word in our life. Because we, it's hard to do. He says, not only to the good and gentle. Now, you know as well as I do, sometimes even the good and gentle boss, that they're not always the easiest to get along with. Sometimes they're not right. But he says, not just those that are good and gentle, and that, that means those who are moral, those that are pure. You know, because there were those, even though, you know, we talk about slavery and we think about all the bad things and, and the bad aspects of it, but, but sure, there were those uh, slave owners in that day that were believers and they treated their people right. So he says it's not just them, and for us, it's not just for people who are over us, who treat us good, and and that sort of thing. He said, but also to the froward. 
I don't know, I haven't used froward today in a, in a sentence that I know of, but that word means unreasonable. It comes from the word crooked. Crooked. The word scoliosis comes from it. When something is not straight. Something that isn't true. Somebody who is dishonest. Somebody who deviates from that which is right. Deviant people. And so he says, especially, but also to those who aren't kind, to, to those who aren't gentle, to those who aren't true, who, are, who aren't gracious, all those things. And so that we are to treat our employers, our bosses, our overseers, our foremans, our supervisors, that we are to treat them with respect. They may not be respectable. But we are to treat them with respect. And that, that's not easy. But yet, but yet, that's what we are to do. Why? I'm glad you asked. In 19 through 21, that we are to do that because it's another opportunity to glorify God. All right? So, look what he says in 19. For this is thankworthy... If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when we be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, then that is acceptable with God. Now, everything, everything, everything that you and I do as a believer is about one thing. It's about God's glory, all right? Everything that we do, it's about God's glory. And so as we go to work, and remember, as you putting on your shoes in the morning and going to work, wiping the sleep out of your eyes, you're really doing that for God's glory. And so how does our lives show the reality of Christ to a lost and dying world? Those that we work with and those who observe our work every day, uh, how does that reflect a life that has been affected by Christ? So, Ronnie, I, I work at home. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're vacuuming the rug at home, if you're making up the bed, or if you're, you know, a nuclear scientist. It really doesn't matter that it is all for one purpose, that our life is for the glory of God. And as long as we, we have the mentality that we're just living to be living, that all this is going to be a drudgery. But when we transfer our thought life from just living for ourselves and just making a dollar, then we transfer it to the fact that our life is for his glory when we look at it that way even the most mundane thing can be something that's marvelous for the glory of God and that's uh, that's contrary to human thoughts it's contrary even to the American way sometimes all right so how do we to have that right attitude in the work environment he says for this is thankworthy Again, that means this finds favor, or this is a gracious thing, or one translation says, for God is pleased when. And that's, that's really, I think, is the essence of it. For God 
is pleased when, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. You know, when the slave endured harsh treatment, and in our case, when maybe you or I maybe take rude comments or uh, being passed over for a promotion or treated unfairly, and that we do that, we do it without bitterness, we do it without retaliation, we do it without smart aleck remarks or wisecracks or talking behind someone's back. When we do that sort of thing, that pleases God. That pleases God. Do we think that God is blind to those areas of our life? That God only sees us when we're in the confines of these four walls? No. God sees us every moment. He knows how we react to every situation. Now, on the surface, we don't see. We don't see the spiritual side of things. We have to be reminded, we have to learn these lessons that day by day, moment by moment, that these are spiritual things, that the time that we spend with those around us in our our work life, that that is a spiritual thing. It's important how we handle those moments, that we use them to build others up and to make Jesus look good inside of us. Or it's thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God. See, that's it. Our conscience toward God. Our peace of mind toward God. I think that's really, really true because that must be our ultimate motivation. That we have a right attitude toward things that aren't right. Because we're living for something bigger, that we're living in order to please God. We know that we're acting in a way that brings a smile on the face of God the Father. Now you and I both know we can live one or two ways. We can live a a life of of bitterness and resentment. And God, you know, and this is figuratively speaking, all right, that God can shake his head, oh my goodness. Or you and I, that we can live a life of submission and lowliness. And we see the smile and the favor and God shaking his head, not side to side, but up and down. Said, yeah, that's my boy. And that's what I want God to do in my life. And I pray that that's what God does in our life day by day. And moment by moment. And, you know, and I, I have to, I'll be the first to confess uh, that there have, there have been seasons in my life when I've struggled greatly with this. I have. So I get it. And I, I've, you know, I've read this passage of Scripture a million times. In some of those seasons, I, I really looked at some of these passages of Scripture. And there were days when I did okay, and there were days when I failed miserably at it. And so I, I come from the perspective of knowing what I'm talking about, all right? But I know that God's grace can transform, that God's grace is enough for whatever the situation is that you're going through right now. 
Or maybe you're still carrying bitterness and resentment from things gone by. You know, these people, they were, in, they were struggling. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine what these people endured? And the audacity of Peter to, tell, to say, oh, you just keep enduring it. You see, that, that's, that, that kind of rises up inside of us. Yeah, it's this flesh that wants to dominate our lives. And so when we get arrogant and proud and cocky, I'm not taking this type of attitude. Let me tell you, that isn't from God. It's not. Here he says here. For what glory is it? Because he's talking about, he's laying this in the context of enduring grief wrongfully, all right? That you don't deserve it, then you're getting it. But now, listen to what he says. 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? Now, this statement is to remind us that before, uh, you know, we get on the, the pout, whack again, all right? That there are times when you need it. When you need to be buffeted, you need your rear end chewed out. All right? And we do. We've all been there. We haven't, we haven't done what we said we would do. We've let our customer down. We've let the company down. That other people are depending on what we do. And we need to take responsibility. We need to be called on the carpet. And we need to take it. Why? Because that's what we deserve. But he says, hey, there's no glory in that. No glory in that at all. You, you got what you deserved. Bottom line, endure it and don't complain. What he says. But, he comes on now. But if, when you do well, and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, he really just repeats what he had previously said, basically. Now, maybe there were some of these that were treated badly just because they were believers. Because this is a pagan, pagan culture. And does that happen today? Yep, it happens today. They try to push a Christian's button. They try to see if they can get him to stumble. Yes, it absolutely, it happens Maybe they were owned by some sadistic, evil person who just loved inflicting pain on people. And I believe there are some of those around. I really do. I really do. But what's Paul say in 2 Corinthians 12, 10? He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount here. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my name's sake, rejoice, be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So, let's wrap it up in 21. 
For even hereunto were ye called. He said, this is what you've been called to do. This isn't, this isn't something that Peter just dreamed up one day. He says, this is our calling. This is what God has meant for our lives. So it's more important for me and you to be humble than it is for us to be happy. For us to be honoring is more important for us than for us to be honored in our life. It's more important for us to trust in a God who holds it all in His hand than for us to make our own stand. And so I think it speaks of who are we trusting in? What's important? Who's the boss of our life? Now, when we get in the position that we have people that are under us and work for us, see, then we're to show the grace of God. That we're to show the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we're to treat people as Christ would have us to treat them. But until then, that we're to submit, walk humbly before God, and walk humbly before man. Keep trusting in God. And knowing that our life is not, we don't have to defend it. Knowing that God is going to defend us. Knowing that God is going to do what's right in every situation of our life. Now, you take that home and you think on it. You take that home and you mull on that. You process that. And you argue with God about it. Because you don't like it and I don't like it. It's contrary. Contrary to what we want to do. But you can't get around it what the book says. So I believe that you and I, that we would be best served to submit ourselves to the authority of God's word and submit ourselves to those who are over us. Let's pray together. Father,